We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packers fans? Welcome to another edition of Pack a Day Podcast, a draft recap as we get past almost a full week of the NFL draft. I'm your host, Matt Fralick. Alongside me once again is Eli Berkovitz and Rob Rieger. Boys, we got the guys in the trenches today. We got to talk about, get to talk about Colby Wooden. D lineman out of Auburn. Uh, I'm really, really excited to talk about where he's going to line up for the Packers on this defense. And then also Carl Brooks defensive end um, from uh, Bowling Green. So first of all, boys, we were talking about the draft, you know, a little bit. This is the first time we've actually discussed since after, what was it be day one or day two, um, just breaking down basically what had happened in the draft. It sounds like we're all kind of in consensus. We're pretty happy with the draft. Uh, Rob specifically mentioned like they addressed team needs. So I'm pretty pumped. I know there's a couple maybe picks here and there that may be a little questionable, but I think overall, I, from what I've seen, even just like nothing below like a B that I've seen across everything from people grading the draft who know a ton about the draft, don't know anything about the draft. So I'm excited. I think the one shock to me was like no offensive linemen were drafted at all. That was kind of surprising. Um, but overall, I think it's a it was a fairly consistent draft. Eli, what were your thoughts overall on all the selections made um, from 2023? It was, like you said, definitely a draft that I very much liked uh, overall. Were there picks that maybe surprised me or thought, you know, a different guy there, a different guy there? Sure. But really, number one, I, I'm not someone who's going to sit around and claim to know even close to as much or more than the Packers, uh, you know, scouting staff. But also it was there was nothing where it was like, whoa, like I can't believe, you know, the one the one thing I think maybe people are, are talking about is Jaden Reed at 50 when some of, you know, receivers that were more widely talked about in that range were available. But the way I saw it with this class, once you got past 
those top four that went in the first round. It was a very close group. All the rankings were very mixed up. One guy was at, you know, the fifth, and then another guy's list, he's number nine. So you just, you never know. And they clearly saw something in Reed because, number one, his RAS, lower than usual, height, smaller, you know, everything about him is not the Packers' norm, normal thing to go for. And they went for him, and they went for him high. So they must really like him. And Reed has pretty quickly become probably my favorite pick of the draft. I just think he's so explosive at what he can bring to the offense. And that's not even getting to the two tight ends who we know are going to be so important to LaFleur's offense. And then Wicks, DuBose, two guys I really like that went much later, I think, than a lot of people expected. So overall, and then, yeah, obviously hitting defense, and we're going to get into it today with Brooks and Wooden and, of course, Lucas Van Ness. So a really just a great draft, and I think it over at the end it was the right move to sit on day three and make all nine of those picks instead of trading around to really let them hit every need on this team, and in some cases multiple times. No doubt. Uh, Rob, I want to ask a question to you. Sure. Um, you know, they addressed a ton of needs with all these selections. Do you think they did enough in support of Jordan Love? I mean, they get the two tight ends, a couple receivers, a running back super, super late. But, like, did they surround Jordan Love, Love with enough weapons you think that can maybe develop? Or are they still maybe missing a couple pieces and it's going to take a little bit while for the support to really, you know, gravitate? Well, I think it's always tough when you have to rely on first-year players. I mean, that's one of the – that's especially pass catchers. And there has been kind of a recent trend where pass catchers have kind of jumped in and been successful. But traditionally, it generally takes a, a year or two at least for uh, rookies. Uh, so for Jordan Love's first year as a starter, having to rely on so many first- and second-year uh, second players – is a little tough, but on the other hand, there wasn't really a whole lot available in, in free agency. And I think we've talked before that, you know, they, they could have gone out and got, got like a Brandon Cooks or, or something, a guy like that to maybe come in and be that veteran influence on the team. So it is certainly a risk to have to rely on two rookie tight ends, both of which are coming off of major injuries last year from, I mean, I mean, uh, Musgrave is power five, but he, he didn't play in the SEC, and I'm kind of a, a little bit of an SEC bias guy. Uh, just, to, you know, or, or like, you know, Big Ten. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there wasn't always top competition for these guys. I, I do like Reed, and, and I think I talked about it last week that it, it, I've talked myself into Reed. Like, at first, I was just like, why why did you guys do that? Like, you could have stayed at 45 and got Brian Branch to help your defense at safety and so on and so forth here to be perfect. But now that I've, you know, kind of let the dust settle on it, I think he's going to be exciting. But like, like, like I said earlier, like any rookie is going to have kind of a learning curve and not only the offense, but just, you know, the nuances of playing NFL football. So it's certainly a risk without a doubt, but I feel like long-term these guys could be very, very successful players on the team and they'll make big impacts as well. No doubt. No doubt. Cool. Awesome perspective. So guys, let's start out obviously with um, the fourth round pick 116, Colby Wooden, um, edge rusher, defensive lineman, three, four outside backer, four, three DN, wherever you want to line them up. I think it's going to be a interesting conversation. Seems like he's better already being slotted in the interior based off of remarks that um, the assistant college scouting director, Pat Moore said he was talking to uh, Larry McCarron, I want to say after the draft, not sure which day it was, but they said, we're going to play him at defensive tackle. He's a defensive tackle, you know, big type player, athletic inside pass rusher. He can set the edge. He can play inside quick, athletic, powerful, good football player. And he really adds a lot of versatility to our defensive line. Um, Mini camp obviously started, I think, was it Friday or Thursday? Friday, actually. 
Um, he talked to some of the beat there that being Colby Wooden. He also emphasized that he's going to be lining up inside kind of a rotational player to start super, super eager to start learning from some of the veterans and the starters really excited to be working with by name, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark. Um, but he even addressed like, yep, I'm going to be playing inside. I need to add some good weight. Can't be sloppy with what I'm adding to my frame. He is 6'4", 273, which I think ranked just from that weight perspective on Raz was like very, very low. I think it was like a 0.2, 0.24, something crazy like that. Uh, 0.75 actually. So definitely needs to bulk up if he wants to play in the interior. And on the Raz, he's actually listed as a D tackle. So that would be impacting that slightly, but really, really explosive kid. Everything on that, you know, the um, the 40, 20 yard, 10 yard, and the broad jumper all over a 9.5, some almost touching a 10. So super athletic guy. I think it's a, he's a good interior piece. Um, definitely fell probably to the fifth round where, or four, excuse me, fourth round where he could have been. Really, really good freshman year at Auburn. Kind of people thought maybe he could be a first round pick at some point. He definitely didn't progress like you would have hoped to. That's why you see him fall to pick 116. Um, Rob, your your SEC bias is obviously showing already. So let's yeah. go ahead and get to you to Colby Wooden. What do you see out of the kid out of Auburn and what can he kind of do to impact this defense that really doesn't have a ton of interior defensive linemen right now um, as they kind of transition this defense just a little bit up front? Well, I, I can say right now that I, I did like the pick, but it um, kind of goes away from what the Packers were looking for. So, you know, traditionally in that 3-4 front, uh, the I guess the base front of the 3-4, you'd want your defensive ends to be a little bigger. You want them kind of occupying blockers, and he doesn't really fit into that mold. So that was the first thing that kind of stood out is how he's going to fit in this defense. But I also know that the Packers are looking for versatility for their defenses. So there could be scenarios on running downs, uh, goal line where he could maybe move outside because um, he's he's big for a defensive uh, for an outside linebacker for sure but he's a little bit small for that defensive tackle defensive end position or three four so uh, that part I'm very curious to find out about but I do like the way that he plays he's a guy who mm-hmm. put on some you know he put on weight in college he was um, 230 when he enrolled and he uh, he came out at 273 so he put in about 40 pounds of muscle while he was in college and he was kind of he likes making those explosive plays. You know, he likes being behind the line of scrimmage. So I guess the observation is that he doesn't really fit the mold of what I expected the Packers to do, but that doesn't mean I don't like it because I kind of like those penetrating defensive ends that can kind of wreak havoc in the backfield. And he kind of fits into that sort of category. So from an overall standpoint, I like him. I think the position is, is, um, you know, where he was drafted was, was excellent. And I, I also feel like his quickness will add a little juice to that front. And he will be able to, especially on passing downs, uh, get to that quarterback. So, I mean, if you look at his career, I mean, he had 30 tackles for losses. He had 15 sacks, as, you know, for his career. So that's a lot for his position, especially six, uh, three force fumbles, uh, believe it or not. So, yeah, he was, you know, going for the ball and, and so on and so forth. So I, I do feel like, he does fit. I just don't know where. So I'm kind of curious to find out about that. I was curious what you guys thought. Yeah, no, I think it's it's the fit is the most important thing with him. You know, he was he even discussed like just wanting to get on the field right in this, um, you know, the beat access they had today. Talked about playing special teams. He was another player that the Packers did select that has some special teams prowess. Right. I think he had a blocked field goal or a blocked punt or whatever. He made some impact on the defensive side, or excuse me, on the special team side for Auburn. Right now, like personally, I think he does fit like that interior D lineman 
um, you know, on third down, I think he can get after the passer on, you know, more than likely passing situations. I am a little bit concerned based off of, you know, the body type and where he's transitioned from being outside to inside, how he can support the run. Um, I don't think necessarily he's going to have to be, you know, a run stuffer. Cause if you look who they have on the roster right now, you know, Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, those are probably your primary guys that can clog up the run. It's just going to kind of depend on where they can, you know, if he can bulk up to 280, 285, 290. I don't know if that's you know necessary because you said he came in at 230, Rob. Like that's a huge amount of weight to be adding. And at that point, you almost became a little bit too sloppy, like Colby Wooden had said. So I'm just curious where they're going to be able to rotate him in. He's clearly going to get opportunities, I think, because if it doesn't work out in the interior, maybe he moves out to the outside that three technique. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I'm curious to see if Eli thinks he's slotted in a certain spot and also his, you know, Eli, your perspective on uh, uh, Wooden. Yeah. I, I don't see a specific spot, let's say as of today, just because I do think his body type and his versatility and what he's shown in college, I really think he can be someone that is just as likely to be outside as inside and, or could be one of those guys who, will play 15 snaps inside and then 10 snaps outside and kind of be that hybrid. So I don't necessarily want to be slotting him in anywhere, but in general, I feel like the Colby Wooden pick and kind of the Carl Brooks, and we'll get into that more in a minute, but I feel like the two of them were kind of the opposite ends of the defensive tackle, defensive line kind of spectrum as Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, Slayton. Like you just mentioned with the run stuffing, those are three kind of stereotypical big guys in the middle, clog up run lanes, get in your face. But now you're adding two guys and Van Ness as well, who could also play inside. But in terms of Wooden and Brooks, two guys that have the ability to play inside but bring a speed and a quickness and a versatility and a pass rushing ability that you're probably not going to get out of Slayton and Wyatt. So I really do I do like that. And I think, <clears throat> I mean, looking at Wooden, like he really does look pretty undersized. But Kenny Clark, who is one of you know the best defensive tackles in the league, He's, I guess he weighs a lot. I think he weighs around 310, 315 pounds, but he does not like very fat. You know, like he's pretty thin for a defensive tackle. And I think the Packers were hoping to get similar things out of Wooden and Brooks, just more at the defensive end, the nose tackle position potentially. But Wooden, Brooks, both of them, they're just exciting. And Wooden specifically, I think he really does a great job with his hands going up and just, he's just so good with it. And I even just saw, a couple different clips uh, over the last week where he'll go and he can just grab an offensive guard and he'll just pull him by the chest, pull him straight down face first into the dirt, get past him. And that's always fun to see out of anyone on the inside. And again, just something I think if they bring, it's a different energy than what you already have in that room. So I'm excited. And Wooden in the fourth round, uh, I think was definitely a great value because most of what I was seeing him, people had him second, third round grades. So Good yeah, ex- extremely good value. I, I like what you mentioned about his hands. I want to kind of speak on that a little bit because that was something that I had heard, I believe, from Andy Herman. He had put out a video on Thursday on the YouTube side just talking about Wooden, how he plays. You know, he's got he plays behind his hands, good first step. I think one of the critiques maybe with Wooden that I was hearing um, and saw a little bit when the clips is like he has a combination of moves, right? You talked about him pulling the guard or whatever, but it's like it's a, it's 
you know, when to use a swim move or a bull rush. It seems like typically he wants to just blow someone over um, right up the interior. And like, I don't know if you're going to be able to do that consistently. Actually, I know you're not going to be able to do that consistently in um, the NFL. So I think just working on all those pass rush or defensive moves that he has, figuring out when to use them properly. But he definitely is the type of player that like, I think, you know, I, I, I keep going, but it's very simple. Cause it's like, you go back to Montrevious Adams, who also I believe was out of Auburn. And it's like, they're very different players, right? Like not, we're not comparing them, but I'm a little bit more excited about a wooden where it's like, okay, he's not just going to be a, you know, a big guy in the middle and run stuff. Like that's, it's really like you kind of said, Eli, like we're not really sure where he's going to play. It seems like they're slotting him in based off what he's saying and what, you know, the assistant college scouting director had said, like he's going to play inside, but like that could change on a dime. We've seen multiple times where Packers have had front seven guys that, you know, primarily were drafted as a interior linebacker and move out to the edge or vice versa. And it's just, you know, the way they play, especially with their guys, you know, you think of Zadarius Smith or Sean Gary or what Luke Lucas Van Ness is going to be asked to do. Like they're going to move all across that defensive front. So um, wherever he ends up, I'm, I'm pretty excited that he's going to be in a room right now. That's going to be able to mold him based off of, you know, where he's best fit at. You mentioned Kenny Clark, super good defensive lineman. He's going to be able to, you know, pick the brain of Rayshon Gary, someone maybe a little bit more of his peer, Preston Smith, a little bit more of an OG on the outside. Like, it's going to be cool to see him just kind of develop over the next couple of years and definitely see what he does in preseason because he's going he's gonna to get a shit ton of reps. Like, Kenny Clark's not going to get a ton. Devontae Wyatt, assuming he takes the next steps, not going to get a lot of opportunities in preseason, you would think. Um, if he can start establishing himself in mini camps and training camps. So it's really going to come down to him and TJ Slayton kind of fighting over um, opportunities. And I even think at that point, Slayton would get more of the nose tackle opportunities than uh, Wooden would. So super excited to see what he can do. I think it's going to be, you know, just they needed another piece with some of the other guys walking out the door in that defensive front. So great, great they assessed it. I think really, really great value pick. Um, so excited to see him get into camp and excited for him to grow and like just listening to him talking to the beat today. Um, I think it was like Chris Roth was asking him some questions and just like really, really enthusiastic about, um, you know, being a part of the Packers, really, really eager to just get into the locker room. Eli, you had mentioned that last week about, I forget who the player was, but um, you mentioned, thank you. And just getting the, getting what he was actually saying instead of just reading it on, you know, a screen, it's like, he's just really, it's just another good guy that they're going to have in the, in the locker room rob just remembers everything you said that's that's good that's yeah. good stuff good notes from rob so but i have a couple, couple two things two things ahead. to add there so i one other thing that really stood out to me is uh he was very uh durable and and you look at defensive linemen um a lot of times they have those injury problems they have those nagging injuries uh you see back injuries a lot that kind of pop up on on defensive linemen uh but he had none of that he started every game in the last three years so he is, he's a durable player uh he's reliable he doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes and I could definitely see him coming in at least even from the beginning on passing downs, especially where they could move him inside and he can use his quickness to disrupt things in the backfield. So um, I'm excited about his role. I, I don't necessarily see him as a, as a three or four down player initially, but he's a guy that could maybe grow into that. But in, right off the bat, I could see him coming in on passing downs and disrupting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, no doubt. Eli, any final thoughts on uh, Colby Wooden? Uh, we have one last thing. Uh, as fun as actually, I was going to mention the fact that I didn't notice that he was very, uh, like, Rob said durable, just not missing any games, which is huge. But also I noticed that essentially in every single area, he uh, he improved year after year from his freshman year all the way through senior, just about every statistic in tackles and tackles for loss and sacks and pass defense and fumbles. I mean, everything got better and better as he aged, and that's good to see. You know, you don't want to see those guys who come out and have a great year as a, as a sophomore – and then it either stays or maybe sometimes it goes down. This guy year after year was improving and getting better. And, you know, that's just something that you can really build off of as you go into the NFL. Yeah, definitely. And I would say just my final thought is like watching his highlights. He definitely jumped off the screen a little bit. There was plays he was making. It's like, wow, is that, is that the guy they're profiling? Yep, that is. They show the replay and it's like he is disruptive and getting after the, you know, the ball carrier or the passer. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Obviously, taking that next step from the SEC to the NFL is vastly different but it's about as close you can get these days in um, college football so guys let's stick also again with the defensive side we go to number uh pick 179 round six carl brooks d end out of bowling green um i gotta be honest i really dove in a ton on colby wooden because i was super jacked about him carl brooks i'm still not you know overly ecstatic about i think it's a another need in that interior right i already mentioned all the players that they um just are, they're limited with right now the defensive front i think carl brooks adds some depth there but overall like i'm not as excited about the colby wooden pick or i'm more excited about the colby wooden pick than i am carl brooks based off of just value where they got him um rob i know it's not sec football uh not really close to it with bowling green but any 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 thoughts on Carl Brooks as he uh, gets selected in round six by the Green Bay Packers? I mean, certainly the first thing that jumps out is his productivity. I mean, it, it's crazy. Like like he led his team in sacks five years in a row, and he's a five year starter. Like you know, just just right off the bat, just 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 claiming that part of it is uh, is, is just insane. Um, you know, the the one thing that I noticed about him, and it's something that I have to kind of guard myself against when I'm doing evaluations is you always have to kind of consider who they're playing against when making yep. the evaluation. So, you know, a lot of times, like when D-backs and, and receivers stand out the most in, in what I'm about to say, but a lot of times if you're a wide receiver and you're going against a guy that runs a 4-8 as a, as a cornerback in like, you know, smaller division one, you could run like a 4-5 or five and you look like you're the fastest guy on the planet. And I saw a little bit of that with Brooks where – it almost seemed too easy for him. And a lot of that had to do with the level of competition that he was playing against. And you have to kind of wonder, and you mentioned SEC a couple times, like, would he make that same type of impact if he was playing in the SEC? And that's something that, that you can't help but think about. But on the other hand, and, and, and you know, and you can even go further with that. Like, you know, 
people that do this for a living, smart people, did not invite him to the combine. So he didn't even get an invitation. So that's mm-hmm. after leading your team in sacks five years in a row and being a five-year starter. Um, you know, the powers that be in the NFL didn't feel like he's uh, he was um, – you know, he's, he's good enough to, to be at the combine yep. and they tend to err on the side of like, Oh, like, let's see what this guy can test athletically on that. So I would say that part, that part of it's a little concerning, but however, on the flip side of that, he looked great on film. He looked explosive. He looked powerful. He was a guy that was often in the backfield. I mean, he had 18 tackles for loss in one season and 10 sacks from the mostly a, a defensive end position in a three four but i don't know like i I think he's a depth guy but i'm not i'm not going to sit there and pound the table for this guy i mean i I know athletically he tested pretty good um you know way above average i'm not sure his ras scores but i'm sure you guys do but uh yeah it was probably in the nines it wasn't it was actually him and Jaden Reed were the only guys to have under an eight. Okay. Okay. But I don't think it was bad. I think it was, I mean, it wasn't great, but I think it was like in the six, seven range. Let me check. I had it up here. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I see him, it. I see him as kind of a depth piece for us. And he's a guy that can move around. Um, if you watch him play, I mean, he played most of his snaps uh, over the, over the tackle, believe it or not in their defense. So he wasn't necessarily an interior player. So although he did move inside at times, but I, I I don't know. I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts about this because it's like he he looked great. Like like I mean, yeah. If he went against all linemen from from, from the same conference, like he'd look like a an all star. But mm-hmm. you have to just be like, well, you know, if this was Peter Skaronsky or this was you know one of these main uh, draft picks, this is Broderick Jones from Georgia. Like, would he make the same impact or would he get stonewalled? Yeah. So first of all. Uh, Raz score was 5.87. So like you said, one of the lower ones. Um, I think the big thing too, is like what you're saying, Rob is like super productive, right? Like extremely, extremely, like just filled up the stat sheet. But like when you start playing against power five or, you know, FC, like FCS schools are in the NFL, like, can you still be that dominant? Like that's, that's my big concern. Like he is a big body. Like the fact that you said he played, you know, on, you know, over the tackles, which is like, kind of amusing to me because i don't see how he would transfer to you know into the nfl doing that i see him as a one gap guy just like filling up the middle um on the run uh maybe he can play three downs and you know clog it up that way but i just don't i mean he's a good he's a good depth piece like you mentioned but like definitely doesn't really get me jacked up that this guy that you know dominated in the mac I don't know if that transfers over. Um, one note I, I do have here from uh, Milt Hendrickson, the director of football ops for the Packers, said he he was able to display even against the MAC. He turned on the tape, and he was a man amongst boys. When you see players from non-power five or FCX schools, you want to see them dominate, and you can put in the t- t- the tape and see that kid, that kid can dominate the trenches. Hundred percent agree. Like you want to see a kid on a lower level competition dominate because if they don't. How are they ever going to get better when they take these multiple steps into the NFL? So there is some, you know, optimism there, but also being realistic. Like, hey, yes, he did do well here, but like he's going to have to do it um, on the next level. Eli, what are your thoughts on Carl Brooks? Like, is there a silver lining you're seeing him with him there? I think we're kind of at least Rob and I are trending towards 
very much so that Colby Wooden has a higher upside just based off of his skill set, his body type, and like where he's going to be able to play versatility-wise. Clearly, he's probably one of the more versatile players the Packers drafted, that being Wooden. But where do you slot Carl Brooks in the DT out of uh, Bowling Green? Yeah, uh, I would say Wooden. I would, I guess I would agree that Wooden probably has higher upside, especially with the versatility. Uh, and just also watching his tape, I would say he's a little bit more explosive. But I don't know. I kind of have to disagree a little bit uh, with okay. you guys about the general assessment of Brooks. Number one, I see – I mean, I think he could play both, but I see him more projected – projecting as more of an outside guy. I mean, in college – in last year, uh, he only had – he only had 41 snaps that were inside. I mean, the other um, over 600 were either over tackle or outside of tackle. So that's pretty much right there on the edge. And then, like you guys mentioned, when it comes to the production, I mean, yes, of course, you know, Bowling Green is not facing the Georgias and the Alabamas and the Michigans of the world. But for, like, you know, production is production. And it's not just production. It was sheer dominance i mean also when you look at pff which again i know some people take it some people leave it but number one overall edge graded player and that's overall who's also the highest graded against the run and he was second in the whole draft class in terms of pressure 63 pressures forced last year which is a ton obviously mm-hmm. and just like i get it again it's not the same as if he did it in another conference but at a certain point production's production and he clearly has the talent and the strength and power to be consistently getting in the backfield and being disruptive. Again, like, you know, I, I think Wooden just has a bit more explosiveness. Obviously, he also did it against better competition. Yep. So, again, I would say Wooden probably has the higher upside. But I really think Brooks, especially where they got him, which was in the fifth, right, yeah, the fifth, really, you know, again, great value. Like when I was either doing my own mocks or seeing other mocks or just in general hearing about the edge – the group of edges in this class, Carl Brooks was talked about, I get probably mostly because of that production, but he was talked about in most, in most circles, I think at third, maybe fourth round. So getting him in the fifth, again, another great value. I think that's a theme of this class. A lot of guys, I think they got him on day three that probably people thought would go earlier. But like I said earlier, I really like both Wooden and Brooks and just kind of the direction they took with drafting two guys that, are a bit smaller, but they can play inside. They can play out, and it's just it's gonna give it's gonna give the whole front seven just to let to make it easier for Barry to coach that as you go interchanging it, making it harder for offenses to defend against it. So I'm pretty excited to see how it all shapes out in camp because it's gonna be super competitive. A ton of really good talented players. Yeah, a ton of big there, bodies. There is what there is one thing that I that I want to add that that actually lends credence to uh, to what you're saying, Eli. So. Um, I, I was actually kind of going through my memory banks just now, and I do remember having notes on him because, um, as you guys may or may not know, I write um, for a draft guide, and uh, I, I don't know if they're a competitor or not, so I won't mention their name. But um, <laughs> but but my uh, topic is uh, like non-power five sleeper picks, so that's that, that's what I write about, and uh, you know it's my my most fun that thing that I write about every single year because it kind of allows me to kind of go off the beaten path. And Brooks was one of the guys that I considered profiling for the draft guide. And one of the things that stood out about him, and I was just kind of as we were talking, as you're talking, like kind of going through my notes on smaller school guys, is how good he looked at the senior bowl practices. 
And that to me is very, very important because what you do is in the regular season, he's playing against Mac guys. But when you're at the senior bowl, you're playing against guys that are from, you know, all the bigger schools. And there's a couple reps that he took in practice against the Michigan starting center, Cody mock when he was playing inside and he uses quickness and agility to get by those guys with ease. So whereas he might've played mostly on the outside, I think that now that he's bulked up a little bit, it means he's just about 300 pounds that you might see a guy who plays inside maybe over the guard and can now quick those guards and get to the quarterback. So, you know, from, from that standpoint, because in the senior bowl, they played him inside most of the time. So he was typically going against guards and centers and he was out quicking the centers off the ball, especially, you know, Cody mock was the one that stood out who, you know, was drafted fairly high. Hmm. And then um, I don't know how to pronounce the guy from Michigan, but Olu is his first name. And he was a guy who also, um, you know, is a highly regarded player and he made him look silly with his quickness off the ball. So um, I will say that although the competition in general wasn't great, I felt like he really stepped up in the senior bowl and made a, a big impact there. I think so. I want to take a combination of what you guys got to say, and this will be my final thoughts. And I think number one, Eli, yes, I do understand that he, I mean, thank you for pulling the stats out of where he lined up because I did not have them readily in front of me. And like, that's clearly a huge disparity, right? Between playing in the interior, like the 60 snaps to playing on the, you know, the outside. I just think, you know, he's able at that lower level college to be able to get away, like playing on the edge like that. And they probably needed him to do that. Right. He's a little bit more athletic. We're we're, like, you know, we talked about his explosiveness. Robbie talked about him playing at the senior bowl on the edge too. So I just think it was like, or in the interior, I think it's just one of those things where it was like, it was a necessity for him to play outside. I just don't see how his body type can translate to the edge, especially when we're even just comparing them. Like we're talking about, you know, I, I just don't I don't see how he could move outside. Now, I do think from what Rob said, like him playing in the interior, like that's a huge advantage. If you have previously done it on the outside, you have the ability because you are a quick twitch and you have you know some quick feet to be able to play on the edge. But now you put that in the interior and you might be able to actually compete a little bit with some guys that are maybe a little bit you know, stronger, a little bit more just athletically gifted than you. But you are a little bit faster off the ball and that might give you an advantage in the middle. But like I just don't see how he's playing on the edge. So I am excited to see where he fits in. It just gives like, I don't know who mentioned if it was Rob or Eli, but like it just gives Joe Barry another piece to have in that defense to make them versatile. Like, and I think that's the biggest thing. Like, again, I would say he's probably more slotted to the interior definitively than um, Colby Wooden is, but that's not to say that they couldn't, you know, be a little bit more dynamic than just be like, okay, they're running out on the field. They're going to be right over the the guard or the center. And that's it. There's going to be no ifs, ands, or buts of where they line up. So I think, you know, the production at Bowling Green's awesome, but you know, at the end of the day, I think he's going to be a rotational piece in some run stop. You know, I think let's not have our expectations too high, but clearly he can, you know, be a little bit versatile if he needs to be, but I think ultimately he's going to be more in the, you know, right down in the middle in the trenches rotating through that nose tackle position. So there's one, uh, other, there's one other thing I just want to mention about both of please. these guys. It, it definitely seems like they made a concerted effort to get guys that could put pressure on the quarterback from the inside of the defensive line. Cause that's yeah. something that has been lacking with the Packers. Obviously Kenny Clark, he's Kenny Clark. But when you look at the other two defensive end positions, you know, whether it's Slayton, D Lowry, some of the other guys that, that have come through, you know, one, one deficiency is that you didn't see a lot of pressure coming straight up the middle out of, out of the, that particular position. But it seems like both of these guys have some juice to them 
and that they'll be able to kind of shoot those gaps and get into that backfield and wreak some havoc. And that kind of traditionally with that 3-4 defense that Joe Barry runs and, and kind of that tree that he comes from, it you kind of want that. You want a penetrating defense. You know, he used to coach for the Rams, and you know, like a guy like Aaron Donald. Like you want a guy that can kind of shoot in those gaps and wreak havoc in the backfield. So it kind of seems like these guys are not just like blocker taker uppers or, you know, they're not just guys that take up blocks. They're guys that are coming in to impact the game and to kind of shoot those gaps and, and create a havoc to the, in the passing game, especially. No, I think it's a great thing just to say like, yeah, yes, they are different body type skill set, but like ultimately like they're able to disrupt stuff in the interior. And that is, I wholeheartedly believe is something the Packers have struggled with for, years like right it's like you have kenny clark but after that you double team him and it's okay like no one else is going to make a play in the interior hoping that the pass rush gets to the outside and that the secondary can hold um you know their their coverage a little bit better eli any final thoughts on either carl brooks colby wooden and where this defensive front looks like in 2023 uh yeah i think just in general like looking at the whole uh defensive front and mostly in the draft van ness wooden and brooks Kind of like what Rob just said, I think they really want to focus on forcing pressure from multiple spots. You know, we're used to seeing it on the edges with Gary and Smith. And right now they know, especially Gary is going to miss some amount of time, who knows, of next season. And I think they're realizing and, you know, looking at around the league, you're seeing defensive tackles with a more of a pass rushing skill set becoming a really big deal and making serious impact in game. And Chris Jones is a perfect example in Kansas City where he's just constantly making huge plays for that defense. So adding three guys that can all play inside and out when you already have Gary who can do that, who will hopefully be back soon, and other versatile pieces, it's exciting. And, you know, Rob's been saying this for a while, but right now it's like Joe Barry, we don't know why you keep getting all all these weapons and all these tools and all these players, but you keep getting them, and this is (laughs) it. Like, I mean – can, can we all agree, Eli, that this is his last his last yeah. chance? Like, like my God, if we're if, if we're not a top twelve defense this year, like yeah. I, I don't know, like you can't justify it. No, I mean if, if we are not talking about, I mean eight eight of our eight of our starters are first round picks. I mean that's if Savage even is a starter, who knows at this point? But still, eight first round picks on defense, and then a handful of free agent signings. It's insane, Joe Barry. Like <laughs> I, I don't even think. If there's, you can't even get to week ten or twelve struggling consistently, and he he cannot be like this. Defense needs to be week week after week one of the better. It doesn't have to be elite top five. I mean, it could be no reason not to, but I won't get ahead of myself. But if you're not at least playing at an above average level, there's you can't defend it. You cannot justify him having that job. I've given him top twelve. If you're not top twelve, like there's something wrong. Yeah. I, I don't I don't have the stats on this, but I would doubt seriously if any other team on any other unit will be starting eight first round picks. No, no way. Like, like, like I don't have Impossible. the stats on that, but I but I don't think it's 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 true. Anywhere, no, no. no, no team. That's just it's no one does that. That's that's just us. And yet, I saw stats today. What are we like twenty five and twenty six and like rankings last year on defense? So Joe Barry. This is it, man. Like last year, we thought last year was it, but you know, look, Dom Capers also had his job for a number of years longer than he should have. So this is just what it is. Final caveat, boys. Uh, eight of the Packers rookies have signed their eight of the 13 have signed with the Green Bay Packers already. And Wooden and Brooks were 
two out of those eight. So they were in minicamp today out there. Um, final thing too is like go to PackersNews.com. They have a ton of pictures that were put out for minicamp. Kind of cool to see a bunch of the guys in their uni- uniforms. It's a really sweet picture of uh, Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave walking to camp, kind of looking at them. Just two boys that are going to be in the maybe cornerstones of that offense going forward. So kind of cool to check out those and see the guys in their new threads. Um, as they embrace their transition in the NFL, and it's it's going to be a blast. I uh, I don't live far from Lambeau, so I definitely take Oneida Street once in a while. I want to say it was a couple weeks ago I saw TJ Slayton walking before the draft, so maybe I'll have to switch up my commute every once in a while when I'm running out for coffee or groceries to see if I can see the boys walking from uh, Lambeau Field to the Don Hudson Center. But, gentlemen, I think the Packers are at least – they at least address some needs, like we talked about in the beginning of this episode, on the defensive front, so as, as it will – as well as they did on the offense. But I think the best thing, like Rob said at the end, is like these guys more than likely will get after the passer a little bit, even in the interior. And that's kind of what the Packers need to do. If we want to get, you know, Joe Barry, his job going forward, that might be a you know convoluted question or, or answer. Um, it's going to have to happen with a little bit better pass rush because I think the secondary is what it's going to be right now. I don't see them making any moves. It's clearly like, here's what you kind of have, especially in the safety spot. So that secondary is going to have to play as is unless somehow Amos comes back as he's still a free agent. But ultimately, I think the front seven is really, really going to have to be productive um, in the 2023 campaign as we see a, a new wave of the Green Bay Packers. But, boys, we are actually, believe it or not, wrapped up for our draft coverage this year. We we are officially done. Now, the Pack-A-Day podcast will continue, as I think, as we go into um, the 11th. So another couple days, we'll be continuing to break down, you know, fit and just deep dives on the prospects that came through. But um, Rob, once again, great to have you a part of this. I know you have been a little bit uh, under the weather uh, emotionally, just based off of you know your yeah, your, your your radio hits are done right now with KB and Drew. You're done with Eli and I for now. You know, for better or for worse, it's always great to get your your insight. We, you were a little bit less on your comps this year you started out hot this year with some we didn't get a lot of hot takes on them but i I still appreciate you always coming on and you definitely give us a different perspective than like i mentioned early on a couple maybe a month ago that eli and i consistently do pack a day podcast for at least a year plus now and we're we kind of get in our own echo chamber and you're able to bring a completely different perspective from having done this for a long time and you watch the game at a completely different speed and um existence than we do so appreciate you having on and Please, as always, plug anything you you have um, that you're covering. Yeah, for sure. Th- th- I mean, and thanks a lot. I mean, this is my pleasure. You know, this is something I love to do. I've been doing it for 30 years now. Uh, I did my first mock draft in 1992, so um, it's something that I, I love doing. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity that Andy and and the whole pack of day and you guys. You know, this is our third third year together, or third year with uh, Eli Sakir with you, Matt. And uh, you guys have been fantastic. Um, I'm very humbled by um, all the compliments. But I am. I, I get sad this time of year. Like, you know, we're not going to, you know, I, you know, I, I tweet back and forth with you guys, but we're not going to get on these videos uh, and calls, uh, you know, probably for like 11 months or, or you know, whatever the next change, draft yeah. cycle is. But, you know, I, I love it so much because, you know, every year it's different. You see different guys coming in, you get to know them, you get to hear their stories and, and where they came from and their backgrounds and everything. And you study them, study them. And then the draft happens and you're just like, now what? So, um, mm-hmm. but anyways, all year long, you can always follow me on Twitter. It's at uh, NFL draft Regs R E G S. And that's about all I'm that's, that's about everywhere I am right now. So uh, thanks a lot once again. And I definitely appreciate it. 
No doubt, man. I appreciate you having on. It's again pleasure to have you on, and it, we wouldn't keep coming back to the well of Rob Rieger if you, you know, you had a shitty draft with us. But you've been consistently a pat, part of the Pack a Day podcast draft coverage as we've gone through year and year, uh, over and over. Eli, I know you, Zach, and uh, Janelle. I don't think I plugged this last time. Started a new show, uh, the Pack. I believe yeah. that is homage to your Wolf Pack. That is, I, I don't know wherever the Wolf thing comes from. I know Zach will update his avatar once in a while, his profile picture once in a while. Outside of that, I have really no concepts of where the wolf comes from. So let us know where all your coverage of Packers or NFL is right now. And please give me a little insight to what the hell the wolf means, because I've never understood it. And it's taken me probably, I don't know, five plus years to actually ask. (laughs) All right. So you're going to have to wait just another minute. So before I get into that, I just wanted to once again, thank Rob for coming on to do the draft every year. It's awesome. Like you mentioned, it's our third year doing it. Always a great time, yeah. You know, bringing so much insight to the draft. You know, that's obviously you know your your main go to, which you love to do, and it's great for us because you come in with all this knowledge that you know is just probably more than you know, and no other crew on Packaday. No offense, like I don't think anyone's getting the draft knowledge that we get during this month, and it's awesome. And I appreciate it for myself as I try to continue to learn more about the draft. So again, awesome season doing it, and looking forward to next year and yeah so the wolf matt the wolf that is i don't know zach zach i think he thinks he's part wolf he might be part (laughs) wolf no one's ever seen him in a full moon no one knows for sure but he's obsessed with wolves and then yeah so we ended up we started a new show called the pack which yes is some kind of i was up late at night maybe had a couple drinks trying to think of a name and i was like all right Wolf pack. I'm not going to say that because that would be stupid, but we'll just go with the pack and call it a day. So yes, the pack, we don't have a official, I wish I could say, you know, this time every day, every week, but we're still figuring out an exact schedule, but you can follow us on Twitter at the pack underscore show. We will always be updating you on what our shows are and just posting daily Packers content and other news. And then of course you can find me on Twitter at book of Eli underscore NFL and any of my writing over at PackReport.com. If uh, you are interested in the Packers' new tight ends, I did actually just uh, the other day put up a piece on Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft, just kind of going through some of the things that make them different because all we've been hearing about is how similar they are. So let's see what they can do differently for this offense. So if you're interested in that, you can find it over at PackReport. So basically your answer is just Zach Jacobson being weird once again. Okay, got it. That's all, that's <laughs> yeah. all, I, that's all I really needed to know. Um, for myself, you can still find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. Uh, right now, it's we're I'm basically just getting ready for the season to start, reacting to as much news as there is, kind of in a little bit of fantasy football dynasty mode, which has been fun, but consistently putting out Pack-A-Day episodes every Saturday with uh, Eli, myself, and then Janelle when she comes back with us, uh, assumably next week. Tomorrow, that being Sunday, uh, look for the deep dive that Andy's doing on Datavian Wicks, the receiver out of Virginia. I'm excited to see what he says there because I think a lot of people had, um, you know, high expectations for Datavian Wicks. Injuries kind of derailed his Cavaliers uh, career a little bit towards the end. So uh, I'm excited to see what he says and how he can fit into this offense because I think a lot of people were excited about that selection the Packers made last week. Throw, throw it up to me as a 40 inch vertical. There it is. I mean, that's. I mean, just the just that alone, I think, is going to give. We talked about the support for uh, Jordan Love. That should help. That that tra- that translates over pretty well to the league. It doesn't take years to develop a, a you know vertical that's forty inches. So uh, also, Packaday Podcast. If you haven't already checked out the YouTube side, this is the time of year where I 
am basically watching those consistently every day. Andy does put one out every day, but truly like this time of the year is like when I'm able to really dive in and like, okay, let me get a little bit more maybe nitty gritty on, you know, Carl Brooks or Carrington Valentine or Sean Clifford, you know, albeit maybe <laughs> not, not a great selection. I, I think that's one of the best times of the year is to really go check out the YouTube side because Andy's consistently putting out super, super long videos, you know, 20 to 30 minutes um, of just diving in and telling you where this player can fit, why he was a good selection, maybe not, but just really breaking down the tape, maybe when you don't have the time to. So really, really good stuff to check out there. If you haven't already, of course, subscribe to Packaday Podcast on the podcast side, wherever you get your podcast, rate, review, let us know if we're doing great, terrible we're on like almost 1800 episodes at this point. I can't wait till we hit 2000. Really one day I'm hoping the day we pass Joe Rogan, uh, the amount of podcasts he has, mm-hmm. I think will be a, a cool day. I'm not sure what that is. If we could forecast it out, someone let me know in the DMs, but overall you guys, it's been great. Continue to follow Packaday podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, wherever the hell we're putting out social content right now. And as always, go, go back. Go. Go.